three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by Stamps.com. If you're looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic, why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking that trip. And you can get the discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Going to the post office instead of using stamps.com is kind of like taking the stairs instead of the elevator. Just going up a couple floors? Sure, take the stairs. Walking up 30 flights a day, you could use a break. If you spend more than a few minutes a week dealing with mail and shipping, stamps.com is a lifesaver. You'll save so much time and money, you'll wonder why you didn't start sooner. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code POD for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code POD. P-O-D. We're back, lads. Hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How (laughs) How are your guys' New Year's? Good. Uh, low key. Bad. Yeah, pretty low key. I just, we kept it safe. Yeah. As you should. As yeah. you should. New I Year's just, has never been a massive thing for me. It's just kind of like, ah, great. Fireworks. Dogs are going to be upset. Stay up yeah. late. Even though I do that every night. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was a different way. I don't know about you guys, but for me, I was just with a, a friend um, at his house and it was very nonchalant. Like it was very, it was weird because. I guess now with all these restrictions, at least in Ontario and and very much Quebec too, it's very like, uh, there's nothing to celebrate. Like there's nothing to look forward to uh, mm-hmm. in a sense. I got that. Yeah. I have this a funny kinda... story. Yeah, go ahead. Well, it's a new story. It's not really my own story. It's CP24 okay. story. Oh, okay. But uh, the way they reported, they like anyway? if, I, if I was, if I was the reporter on this, I don't know if I would keep a straight face the way they talked about it okay. where they're like thousands of people have congregated along Young and Dundas Square and Nathan Phillips Square. We don't have anything planned. There's no music. There's no performances. There's just people here standing around trying there, to celebrate the new year. There was uh, someone live streaming it on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Live streaming a crowd of people. Pretty much. Yeah. Bring, did anyone just bring firecrackers or something? I don't know. You could probably do that. There were a lot of videos <laughs> on six buses of people just... I don't know. Like, is this even allowed, Adam? You, you're probably the expert on this. Are you allowed to shoot fireworks from your condo balcony? Uh, I don't. I, I don't think so. Okay. Well, don't forget the fireworks during the playoffs for Montreal were from in front of the Bell Center. Okay, okay. Which just happened to be right outside of my condo building. So I don't think anyone was shooting them off. I feel like there were. I don't remember ever reading the thing of like you are not allowed to do this and this, but. 
there i feel like there's a thing of no you can't do that it's kind of like how you can't smoke indoors nowadays i don't feel like there were you are allowed to uh set off fireworks from the balcony 40 floors up yeah and you can't throw chairs off balconies either um Um, noted sick noted new source six buzz Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i love it when i love it when my friends send me um like news stuff from six buzz it just kind of cracks me up a little bit it's it's weird because um <laughs> i remember reading something where it was during the playoffs where they were uh, they were actually reporting on a lot of the games like on the leafs and then for the habs yeah and i remember people were criticizing them saying oh no one actually takes them seriously why are they having journalists writing about this right i think they actually had an interview with um what did they have an interview with they had an interview with like Mitch Marner or William Melander, you know, one of the young guys. And then people are like, hey, do you look at the followers, like the number of followers they have compared to like other news sources that have gone onto Instagram or Twitter? It's like it's double. Oh, yeah. No, no, for sure. The comment sections are quite oh, yeah, quite yeah. the best. Sometimes you just have to scroll through them. And just <sighs> we live in a society. You'd see that in YouTube now because there's no dislike button. They're yeah. cowards. Absolute yeah. cowards. Anyway, New Year's has happened. Do you guys, let's look at the three teams we care about the most on the show, the Ducks, the Leaps, and the Habs. I'll ask you guys for your respective teams. First off, Daniel, what do you think the New Year resolution for the Anaheim Ducks is? Is don't lose your identity from the first part of the season. Just mm-hmm. keep on going. And what's that besides Trevor Zegras being gross? Just, you know, being consistent and just letting the kids play, right? Like, one thing I wanted to talk about is Trevor Zegras we brought up. Is It's funny. It's like, I love that he's becoming such a great player, but he also has a personality. Like, he's a social media type of guy, mm-hmm. right? Because he's of this age group. And I'm just waiting until people say, like, oh, you know, this is not good for the game. I already, I already know that, like, they're talking about like, the Michigan pass, but now they're going to say, oh, look, he's even asking, hey, please vote for me for the All-Star game. And that's new for the NHL, that's but that's not new that. for the NBA. Like, I remember a few years back, Chris Bosh, when he was on the Raptors. You guys have to see this, by the way. A it's few pretty- years ago. It's been like, how long has it been? <laughs> okay, it's been like <laughs> 10, 15 years ago. It's but, been like a decade. Yeah, but he pretended to be like a car, sale- a car salesman in a commercial and he's like, please vote for me to the all-star game. Like you never see that. So I'm happy that that's happening right now. I think one of the most notable moments of going was Ovechkin at the draft. Cause he was trying to get the car for that family. It was like, don't take me. And it's like, and every year since has been, I'll take the one game suspension. Cause I don't want to go to the all-star game. And Crosby hasn't, has been to like one in eight years or something. Not a great luck. Alex, new year's resolution, the Leafs. And you can't say when a playoff round. <sighs> Man, okay, I'm gonna skirt around the win a playoff round. Uh, I want the the New Year's resolution is the the big guys M- Matthews Marner, um, and I guess Nylander too, even though he's done it, steps up when it counts. That was such a politician way of answering the question you wanted <laughs> to answer. Okay, uh, for Montreal, uh, have a really good deadline and hire the right GM which we'll talk about later. Okay. Also along with new year's this time of year, the winter classic, that was fun. Minnesota, St. Louis in twin, uh, no target field, not twin. What am I thinking of? Target field. It was fun. We're going to talk about a bit of stuff with the blues in Minnesota here. 
we're actually going to wait a second to talk about this because I want early in the show to mention something, a really cool story. And we're going to talk more about the Canucks themselves and how they've been playing a little later. But I want to talk about this story here. Uh, I'm going to read off the Instagram story sort of slideshow that the NHL doc, uh, NHL Instagram page did. How a Kraken fan helped save a Canucks equipment manager's life. So uh, Nadia, I'm going to say it wrong probably, Popovici was sitting behind the Canucks bench on October 23rd when she noticed a cancerous mole on Brian Hamilton's neck. Uh, she typed a message, I believe he is the assist or one of the assistant equipment managers for the Canucks. Uh, she typed a message on her phone and knocked on the plexiglass to get Hamilton's attention. Quote, the mole on the back of your neck is cancerous. Uh, Hamilton's doctor confirmed that the mole was type 2 malignant melona and removed the cancerous area. Uh, Hamilton began searching for Popovici on Saturday and with the help of fans on Facebook, uh, she was located and on Saturday night they met before the game, him saying, uh, quote, she needs to know she's the story. She's the person who did this. He even had a press conference about it. Uh, it was a great story. And then during the game last night, which again, once more, was Vancouver in Seattle, um, Seattle and Vancouver announced they were going to give her $10,000 to help with her studies. Um, what a sick story and what like a heartwarming way to start 2022. Yeah. And also great to great start to 2022, but I think for hockey, um, the last, I don't know, 24 months, uh, I'll we'll throw it in there have not been great for the sport um, for multiple reasons. I mean, we've talked about plenty of them on the show. So for 2022 to start this way, uh, I think hopefully we can continue that momentum going forward. I agree. Like, you know, for as many stories that we talk about, the big ones, the ones that it's going on, the fallout of certain decisions on a lot of these stories, you really do get bogged down with the negativity. You get bogged down with, oh my gosh, I have to talk about this. And all of this is happening. And is there any glimmer of hope right now in the NHL with certain things? And we see these types of stories when it kind of reaffirms the community aspect of it, of things that go beyond the game, but in a positive way. You guys see her hat, by the way, at the game? Yeah. Like a cracking woolly hat. It was really, really cool. Put more effort into her attire than Jordan Bennington did for the Winter Classic. Oh. Anyway, I just, I just thought that was super, super cool. Uh, it's just, you know, it, as a fan, imagine that, like, you take the time, like, she notices it. And apparently, like, the way she had written it out, like, I think she'd, like, changed the color of the note. You want to think maybe he thought she was just like a, a fan trying to heckle her. Because I want to say that may have been the initial game was probably like Seattle's home opener because it was against the Canucks and just persistent on it. You know, that's a, you know, you kind of wish her luck in her future because even as, as young as she is, you know, she's uh, like saved a life here and, you know, hopefully she continues to do that. And the Canucks are the uh, funding her. Um, it's just sick. I really, really like that. Um, all right, then. Uh, beside that, back to the Winter Classic. Uh, Minnesota didn't show up for the first two periods of that game. Uh, and meanwhile, St. Louis's wicked second line. Okay, I want to bring this up to you guys really quickly. Okay, um, so St. Louis, I think low-key have probably one of the best top nines in hockey. Um, and you know when you put a link into uh, a Microsoft Word document and for some reason it doesn't work the moment you want it to? <laughs> like you print off an assignment the day before school as I stall to get up St. Louis's lineup. Um, right now, Braden Shen is hurt, right? 
So right now, uh, the way that their lines kind of shape out is the first line is Ryan O'Reilly, David Perron, Brandon Saad. By the way, David Perron, probably one of the most underrated players in the league the last couple of years. The second line that dominated last night, the one I want to talk about here, Vladimir Tarasenko, Jordan Cairo, and Robert Thomas. Tarasenko, I think, is up to 14 goals in his point per game right now. You know, St. Louis were very patient when it came to handing the keys over to Cairo and Thomas. And all of a sudden now with a healthy Vladimir Tarasenko, my goodness, is it working dividends for them? A hundred percent. Um, and, and I mean, like we saw this kind of emergence, at least from Robert Thomas, uh, in their playoff run, right. We saw him against Boston. And I, I mean, I saw everyone talking about Robert Thomas. I mean, specifically Jeff Merrick, who would stop talking about Robert Thomas, but Jordan Cairo, I think is the standout there. Cause the, for me, you know, I think a lot of people kind of doubted Jordan Cairo for a little bit there. Uh, it took him a little bit longer, I guess, than people expected. But what it shows for me is that it, you can still make an impact later on. And I'm not, he's still young. Like, it's not like he's an older guy. But I think the expectation now is that, you know, these guys who come in, it's a young man's league, as we say. It's a young man's league, and we expect the younger guys to make an impact immediately. But that's not necessarily the case all the time. And I think that's evident in Jordan Cairo. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think he's someone I've mentioned before where, you know, you guys, we just got to wait for him. Just got to wait for Jordan Cairo. Um, I remember when he went in the second round to St. Louis and everyone said, oh, that's a steal. He should have been in the first round. Just, just you wait to see what he could become. And with Robert Thomas, he's someone that almost immediately, I think that, you know, he made the team not his first year, he but he became a consistent member of them. And I think he's someone that I've mentioned before when they traded Robbie Fabry, that was the minutes they gave them. And it worked really well because I think he just slots in a lot better for them. And we talk about the blues. We talk about how they've been a bit of in a rut. So it's nice to see that along with that core, you saw making it to the cup. You also have these young guys that are steadily emerging and taking on the bigger roles. So let's just say that uh, Braden Chen's back in the lineup. And I don't know what it's normally the configuration of their lineup has been all year, but if you put one of those two down on the third line, let's just say it's Chen for the sake of it. And you're running Bozak. Maybe you're trying to get another centerman at the deadline because Bozak at this point better have him like as a depth guy over Barbashev or maybe him, you know, a decent player has got some skill there, but then your third line is a combination of like Chen, either Bozak or Barbashev and Pavel Butznevich, who has been, so good. I've later on in this year, I want to like look at a lot about that trade because it's unfair because Sammy Blaze hurt thanks to PK Subban, unfortunately. But uh Pavel Butznevich has been a really, really good for St. Louis. Up front, they're they're good. I still have questions about their back end because no one is Alex Petrangelo. But you know what? It's good that you also have this young core coming up even more because you look at next year, uh Tarasenko and O'Reilly are both up. Now, I mean, knowing the way St. Louis roll, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them are traded. Like, Tarasenko, you don't see getting moved if they're going to go on a run. But, you know, if they realize they aren't at a suitable place next year, uh, changes could be coming in St. Louis, but you see that that next score is sort of, uh, they're definitely there. And Bennington's there right now. See, here's why I'm really upset that St. Louis actually won that game, because Jordan Bennington did not have a toque on his mask like Cam Talbot did. Like, Where's the dis like the, the visual of the winter classics always really cool, 
But having the toque on the goalie's mask is just so cool, and Bennington just ruined it. He did it to mess with us. He did it to mess with us. He has no respect for Shosei Taylor. He said, uh, said, I really want to piss off Adam. He did. That's what he did. He's just a a goofball. I don't like him. It's just Jordan Bennington. You know what I mean? (laughs) By the way, shout out to uh, Minnesota coach Dean Evison, who him and his entire staff got extended. Good to hear. It's just this game, man. Oh, my gosh. Like, I don't know. Just I think you get caught up a lot with the atmosphere of this game, right? Of the hype of being the home team of everything going on. And I don't know what happened to the wild. Like they, I know it's one game, but it's like they regressed to how they were before. Not like from the past two seasons for the first, like period and a half. Mm-hmm. That makes yeah, sense. They, what was Zuccarello? It's like, we didn't show up and they felt bad for the fans that were all uh, like not like, sitting there in the, the cold, obviously. Right. What was great is Kaprizov was just so used to it. Cause I, isn't Kaprizov from Siberia? Oh, let me check. Funny enough, or he's from wherever he was, like lived in Russia. He's he's quite used to it. But you know that the, I like the aesthetic of that game looked really cool, and not to mention Minnesota's jerseys, like the pants and gloves too. I thought were really nice. And St. Louis rarely mess up a jersey. That's true. So, but it just I think they nailed this Winter Classic game itself. You know, obviously fell out of control, and there was a bit of excitement towards the end of the third. But then Minnesota just couldn't really get it going with the uh, with the extra man. But it was still a fun game. It was. Most people forgot it was happening, but yeah, I like I remember um <laughs> my family. They're like, oh my god, the games later today. They're like, yeah, it's like the Battle of Ontario. I'm like what? <laughs> I'm like I know. Yeah, I'm like they're like oh they're like no, we're gonna watch that. We're not gonna watch. Minnesota. So if Montreal were playing at seven, I wasn't going to watch because I wanted to see the Wonder Classic really, really badly. Two things. So you are right. I am not going to try to name the town, but he, Kirill Kaprasov, is from Siberia. Yep. And second, hoping the Winter Classic merchandise goes on sale because I really like the scarf and the hat. Fair enough. Yeah. They had just had a lot of really good stuff. It was cool to see Nicholas Backstrom, not that Backstrom. The other Backstrom and Miku Koivu there, too. I thought that was a really nice touch. Um, I want to read this tweet from Alan Walsh saying, only the NHL would intentionally schedule other regular season games on the same day and at the same time as the Winter Classic. Your signature event on New Year's Day encounter program against yourselves. Hashtag marketing geniuses. Because it was was 7 o'clock on a Saturday. Yeah. (laughs) You put it up against the Battle of Ontario. What are you thinking? Yeah, no, I wasn't very smart thinking. Again, like I'm coming up with such creative ideas for the league. I have another idea. Can I tell? Can I? So, okay, I'm copying copying the NBA here a bit, but I just I think it can work because the NA. So the NHL seems to think that they can spread out a bunch of outdoor games throughout, like between January, January and March, or that's what they've done in the past. Um. Crazy idea. You do all your outdoor games January 1st. You have no other games. Every single outdoor game happens January 1st. The same way the NBA does Christmas Day. They have those games. They don't have... yeah, they don't have Christmas Day, a Christmas Day game here and a Christmas Day game there. And then just like a regular game that happens to be on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. It's these are all Christmas Day games. They're specialty Christmas Day games. You do that for the NHL. You have 
let's say, I don't know, pick some crazy matchups, Toronto and Montreal, uh, Boston and Chicago, because Chicago has to have an outdoor game. I don't know. Just pick a group like of three or four outdoor games every year and you do it that way. You can even just do a weekend. Remember when they went to Lake Tahoe, it was Mm -hmm. the, you know, they did Philly, Boston the first day and then Colorado, Vegas the next one. Yeah. Just do that. Just make a spectacle of it. Somebody refused to do. I think we should start a petition that we should Ah. be the creative geniuses behind the NHL. I think we've done a really good job. We should pick the matchups too. (laughs) Exactly. So I actually saw something on Twitter from Twitter user World Hockey RPT. And it was the thing of we need a real Canada Cup with provinces. So it's like Team Saskatchewan. You have Everly, Shen, all that type of stuff. Team BC, Connor Bedard, Carey Price, all those kind of guys, right? And do something like that. That'd be really cool. Like anything. I want anything at HL. Just do they do that in curling? Sorry, I know yes, they do. Yes, yeah, they, they do that in curling. Yes, yeah. Do. Yes, they do. <laughs> Um, that won't happen on them because that's too creative. I think it's just you, too fun. You've taken the board, you've crossed the line way too far. It's, yeah, it's just I, enough for the NHL. They're scared the Quebec team <clears throat> might announce that they're going to be competing the next Olympics. <laughs> oh, Daniel. <laughs> Yo, don't, don't upset the Quebecers right now, please. Yeah. Already, the people are just, you're going to protest the curfew again. They've had enough. Man, I'll tell you, listen, I get it. I get the things of the curfew, I, I get it, but it's not. There are better things to complain about. Like I get it feels like a, an ego thing for Lego, but listen, I didn't. I'm just saying, like it's it's first time it's 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. That's not a real curfew. Like I, I don't go out to bars and that after 10 p.m. My life's good. Get some sleep. You know what I mean? Well, if you're in Ontario, if you're in Ontario, you can't go to a bar past 10 p.m. because you oh. stay there for an hour and leave. Yeah. Here's the thing, too. It's like, and again, no, I'm not, I'm not, the lockdown is still kind of dumb, but don't protest because, like, if you're going out in large numbers, the virus is still there. It's not as deadly, but it's still spreading like wildfire. So what are you thinking? Then you're going to slow down. I just, I just, I don't. I don't get it. I don't get the, the the curfew itself anyway. Like I get it. It affected people, but it's just the whole thing just seems to be one giant mess. Like when you're, you're making pancakes and like you put the mixer too high of a thing, like too high of speed and it just, it goes everywhere. And it's just, I want to be mad at so many different people right now. Adam, I have a question. What so I've never gotten this perspective before, but okay. as someone, as someone who is a season, season ticket holder, how has like the last few seasons been like, how does it work where it's like, do they just refund you the tickets or like, what do they do? So there were a few different options going into, I want to be, it was this season or even last, um, it would have been just this season, uh, a few options, including like it would go cred, like games you missed. So when like after the 2014, like the se- the original COVID shortened season, um, those last few home games, there weren't a lot, but they instead were credited to season tickets. Obviously there were no fans last year, but they were then credited to you for this season. Uh, there were a few other options in that, but the one I remember because it's, it's what I did was it was then instead credited to this season. And like, it's different this year. Like there's monthly payments in that. Um, for example, we don't know when games are, but they, for example, took the monthly payment on January 1st um, from my bank account. I just want to know what's going on, but yeah, it was, there were different options in that. They, 
And I think they weren't never going to fight about what other options you took, because I think you got to remember this, this was right off the Mayu stuff. So I think a lot of people were kind of like, we need good PR right now. Um, but yeah, it was a, there were different options in that. They, no one, they didn't screw anyone or anything. It was just um, different options. I want to say they're, I can't remember the options. I don't want to guess because it's being a bit negligent of me, but um, they took care of it. They took care of it pretty well. Okay. Um, something that Alex sent here that I want to just mention before we go into anything, like joking about Team Russia getting kicked off a plane because they were trying to smoke cigarettes or something. Um, Rick Westhead. So there was, there were reports coming out that stuff with John do the John Doe too. Sorry. Um, obviously the lawsuit against the Blackhawks, Brad Aldrich stuff that it had been thrown out of case or the, the judge had threw it out. I didn't think of any, anything of it because Rick West had hadn't confirmed anything. And he has, um, this would have been uh, last. Oh my goodness. What am I even talking about? This was on the 27th. How did I miss this? Okay. Um, and he was confirming that John Doe 2's lawyers have withdrawn, withdrawn, sorry, uh, his lawsuit versus the Blackhawks indicating a settlement has been reached. Uh, presumably Chicago, which pledged to be a beacon for professionalism when settling Kyle Beach's case, demanded a non-disclosure agreement covering um, both John Doe 2 and his lawyer. I just realized this that would have happened after our last show, didn't it? Yeah. So yeah. much has happened since then, eh? So yeah, again, I, it's 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 good to see. Again, same thing we said with Kyle Beach, that stuff is always going to be with that kid. And the family, but I would hope that part of that settlement also includes them, the Blackhawks doing what the league refused to do and covering therapy with the family and John too, and John Doe too himself. Yeah, and and um, I, I hope that's the case too. Along with you know Rick Westhead did put in that tweet that Chicago pledged to be a beacon for professionalism when they settled the Kyle beach case. I don't think he put that in there by accident. Um, and I said it when they, when they settled with um, Kyle beach too. Um, we have to make sure that they follow through with this. Like they said it now, are they actually going to do it or are they just going to keep doing the same old thing that they've been doing? I, I think it's important that I guess like week, week, the three of us, as a podcast can only do so much, but there's people out there with not necessarily influence, but with, um, with the contacts to find out and a lot, and it's up to all of us as a collective to make sure they follow through with that. Not just the three of us and SDPN and whoever else is talking about it. I agree. Like you just have to keep the conversation going. And I like that part. You mentioned Alex with Rick West had saying that because it's so subtle, but at the same time, it puts so much pressure on the Blackhawks to really kind of live up to it because we saw what was going to happen. We saw what the NHL's response was, and I'm I'm just relieved. Not it's not it's a weird way to say like I'm happy about this, but I'm relieved to see that they just didn't leave it there. That a lot of the other parties involved said like we're not going to settle for this. We're going to keep pushing forward and see what you know true justice is in this matter uh moving on again sharp turn as always but one that we have to do uh it is bad news but there is a bit of a chuckle in here um the world juniors last episode was so much about the world juniors and within a few hours 
it was completely out of date. I, it was hilarious to listen to. Yeah. Um, so it, it had to do with more than just two cases of COVID. Um, there were cases, I think it was around uh, five teams. Um, it looked like some officials had COVID too. There is a bit of negligence, it seems to be. Um, I think it was Finland's coach as well as I want to say Slovakia's goalie have been very vocal about the negligence of the IIHF here, including the fact that apparently they were in a publicly open hotel and there was a wedding party, uh, which is not great to hear. Um, and I, I'm, this is also, I, I don't want to just, obviously the IIHF have been very sort of making sure people know that it's also on organizers, for example. Um, so this is like Hockey Canada have a big part in organizing this too, but I don't, I dare not, do not want to see the IIHF try and pull off the blame here because I want to say Renee Fassel, not Renee Fassel, what am I talking about? Luke Tardif said the juniors are their third highest money-making tournament of the year, right? How in the world they did not have a sort of private or even like a, a, not a full bubble, if you didn't want to do that, but like some sort of measures in place. I can't believe it. it knowing that it was an open hotel in Alberta and that, it, the tournament feels destined to fail at that point. I so, feel, yeah, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Dan. Okay. Um, so last year when I was working for On the Record News, um, I did two pieces on the World Juniors and I spoke to Lucas Weiss and Ben Steiner on this and it's crazy. Like when we were having this conversation last year and the real juniors was really the only hockey that was going on at the time before the NHL restarted again, we were praising WIHF for all the measures they were doing that there was a bubble that um, a lot of the athletes, they were given like the anemones they needed in their rooms. Like they were giving weights and exercise bikes in their rooms, making sure everybody's safe. Everyone's tested. And then we move forward to this year and it's like what happened to all of that it's the same cities i feel like every a lot of stuff that i could say i really said last episode like it's just in terms of like why didn't you come to this planned essentially like adam you said it with the, about the wedding. like how do you have a wedding at the same hotel how do you not say hey guys you know what here's some money for the rest of the rooms Let's not have anybody else in this hotel. Like it, it just kind of seemed like you guys said destined to fail. They did not set up compared to last year. They didn't set up this tournament to succeed. Like they were kind of asking for it. Did it sound so hockey though, in a way that like, yes, we didn't have our own hotel. We actually still had a wedding with a bunch of players there as well. You don't blame the hotel because they're trying to get as much money yeah, as possible. No, because yeah. you know, COVID's hit them. You don't blame the wedding people because how many weddings do you think got postponed over COVID? Like they're trying to get married, you know, happiest day of their lives and not. It's just, you know, I think the word that the Finnish coach used was it wasn't even the COVID problem. It was an organizational problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I also find it very funny how USA hockey and, and, um, and hockey Canada, they're very vocal about the cancellation of the women's tournament. Rightfully so. Um, they haven't been very vocal about um, the COVID issue. Have they? Maybe because Canada would feel responsible, but I just I find it interesting that some of the other uh, countries have, but the uh, the big ones quite haven't been here. Now, here's a part of this a little wrinkle of this story that's that I I just it's kind of like of, of course this is this is hilarious almost. 
So not for maybe the people on this plane. How did that dog bark sound, by the way? Uh, did you hear it? It was pretty yeah. muted. Yeah. Okay, good, good. Like, okay. I can still Very hear good. it, but it's not as like the raw. Was that the Rottweiler? It was the Rottweiler, yes. Okay, like usually the Rottweiler's like overbearing, not overbearing, but like it's like it's sometimes I find like it's part of the conversation, the dog. Yes. Where you say so, it's usually when you say something, Adam, and then you could hear it. Yes. Like, like, like saying, I agree, Adam. Exactly. Uh, so with that, um, so CTV News in Calgary confirmed that the Russian World Junior team was kicked off of a flight on Friday. Um, people saying that apparently were not wearing masks. They were trying to smoke cigarettes like this is the 60s or whatever. Um, and they were not being great to the attendants and not listening to them. Uh, obviously, people on that flight, I'm sure, weren't happy. And what really sucks about this, and the checks were comped for this, but apparently it was described as young men like wearing Nike sweatshirts. So it was very similar to Czechia, and they also got thrown off the plane. Like, come on, like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? That's just a common sense thing. I have a funny story about this. So um, I believe it was Gord Miller who mentioned this, Mm -hmm. but because Dave Cameron was the coach, right? This happened to him in 2011 as well, when he was the coach of the World Juniors. So this is when Canada was winning 3-0 in the gold medal game, and then they ended up losing 5-3 in the third period. And that happened again. Like that was that also happened. Like the Russians with the smoking and like being kicked off. And then like, isn't it funny that it happens exactly the same time Dave Cameron's the coach again? That is good poetry. There, that is very good poetry. Uh, sort of like Ovechkin scoring goals because it's just beautiful stuff. Uh, not my best best transition of the show. Uh, two goals the other day. He plays at three o'clock today, people. So it, it'll be done by the time you listen to this. But uh, whatever. 754 goals. He now has fourth all-time. Most power play goals, I think, because apparently there was a there may be a concern on the time of how much power play time was left. As of right now, I'm pretty sure he has the record for most power play goals. He passed Andrew Chuck, but just simmered down people because apparently the NHL's media site said maybe not. Uh, 12 away from Yager, 47 from Howe, and here's the big one, 140 away from Wayne. He's getting there. He's getting there. It's so he's freaking there. cool to see. I love and he's staying, so okay, like, fingers crossed, he's staying healthy. I'm knocking on my wood desk. How dare you? Don't put it out there, Daniel. He's so good. I was talking with Mike about this. Uh, obviously, you know, you can't mention Crosby without Ovechkin. You can't mention Ovechkin without Crosby. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, the big thing is now with the Olympics not happening this year, the chances of Alexander Ovechkin getting a gold medal is – Probably not going to happen. So Crosby has the more cups, obviously. Uh, Ovi has, I think, more MVPs because Sid only has like two heart trophies. And you're like, what? How? Um, if he gets the goal record, that keeps him with Sid, right? Whenever yeah. they retire, like both of them. By the way, hold off, put them in at the same time. But that, that's it, right? You together... If he can beat the goal record, I think that legacy wise, you can keep him up there with Sid. Even if, okay, like, I mean, unless he completely drops off, like, I, I can't imagine, um, even if he doesn't break the goal record, I still think they're pretty close. Like, for me yeah, personally. Yeah, for mm-hmm. me right now, I like, I still put them both up there. 
Really? But Sid, three cups, two con Smythes, a gold medal, gold medal winning goal. Ovechkin, you know, he's got the scoring tie, but I, I just don't think that. I think you, I think Ovechkin needs something else. Like Sid's always going to be the better player. Sidney Crosby is arguably the best player to ever play the game of hockey. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I really think Ovechkin needs something else, and I think the goal record is what he needs to this, be at least legacy wise with yeah. Sid. I, I think he needs something else. You know, it's kind of crazy when we talk about the gold medals. What both from the Olympics. And in the World Juniors, Ovechkin's lost to Crosby in both of those. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 And, and when he won his cup is when he got past it. Yeah. Again, that's, they're linked forever. They're, yeah, they'll always be linked. I think the thing for me is obviously Crosby is a generational player. So, and, and Ovechkin, even if he doesn't break the goal record, to me is a generational goal scorer. If, like, if not the best, I think even so, if he yeah. doesn't break that record, if he beats the goal record, I put him on the Mount Rushmore of hockey. I I would because it's just something completely uh, on the doing it in tw- in in the in twenty twenties and that. Yeah, and yeah, I I like a record that has stood since I don't know exactly when you, Wayne would have done it. Probably late nineties, probably. I'll say like probably yeah because nineteen ninety nine he only. Like his last year, he only had like like six goals. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I, I just think it's it's because you can again, it's it's the gold medal. He beat Ov. Uh, I don't obviously he he not in twenty ten. He wasn't the gold medal game, but in Sochi, obviously that's that was in Russia. That was pretty big for them to win. And again, it was Ovi's playoff thing that that that, that haunted him forever. It wasn't just the the second round, and we forget about some of those series versus the Rangers. Um, but it was always sitting his way. I can't forget and the two thousand and five Real Juniors as well. The gold medal. I, I didn't know. I didn't know that actually. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so for that game, I'll just talk about it briefly. But for that game, everyone was like, oh, "Okay, so this is the best Canada team ever." Yeah. But at the same time, Russia has like. Evgeny Malkin and o- Alexander Ovechkin. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, where else can we go here? Where else can we go? Uh, I say we go back to the Canucks, who are eight of their – sorry, not eight and nine. What am I talking about? They have won eight of their nine games under Bruce Boudreau. No regulation losses are in there. That's pretty fun. A fun game uh, in, uh, in Seattle last night for another win. So looking at this all of a sudden, the Canucks – are in a very fun position here, a.k.a. if you look at it. In the grand scheme of the standings, they're still second last in the Pacific, which you're kind of like, oh, okay, that's not great. They haven't, you know, they've won all these games, and for some reason they're still not up there. But if you look at the wild card race, right now second wild card is L.A. They're at 37 points, Vancouver at 35. Now L.A. have a game in hand, and Colorado's in there, and Obviously, they've only played 27 games. But Vancouver, all of a sudden, are in striking distance. Yeah. No, they are. And um, one thing I wanted to point out about the Canucks, and I know I think when we looked at the Canucks, it was a lot about their offense recently and when Boudreau, Boudreau came. But I think you look at their defense, too, has improved. Like, look at the amount of goals they have allowed in the last few games. So 
two against Seattle, uh, two against uh, LA, which they lost or one, sorry, technically one against LA because they lost in shootout. Uh, one against Anaheim. Technical win. This is they lost. No, no. I mean, they only technically allowed one goal in oh, okay. right, in in time. Yeah, yeah. They lost the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, two against San Jose. Three against Columbus. One against Carolina. Three against Winnipeg. Two, one against Boston. Um, not bad. Zero <laughs> against LA again. Like they're they're not necessarily allowing so many goals anymore where they can't keep up offensively which is crazy when you look back on what three weeks ago when we're like what are they doing what's going on with this team how's everything gonna go and now along with the story you've mentioned earlier in the episode adam it's just it's weird to me it's just it's not just the management but it's just the light around this team it's just like the atmosphere around this team that for me, I want to know now is, you know, they're eight zero and one. Does this help the JT Miller Bo Horvat factionism? Factionalism. I mean, winning solves a lot of problems, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the listen. Hockey is subject to a lot of magic right now, uh, or just it always kind of has been. Listen, I like watching the Canucks play. Um, I have, for example, like I've watched Vancouver probably not as much as Montreal, obviously, but they're the team I've watched second most this year for some reason. Um, There's just, listen, they can score. They have a great goalie. And we know Bruce Boudreaux, when his time in Minnesota, knows how to put together a defensive scheme. It's just he needed goaltenders who could stop the puck. And Thatcher Demko is really good at stopping the puck. And Yaroslav Halak is pretty good at stopping the puck, uh, especially in a backup role. So, yeah, I, I think that's um, – I think it's fun. I'm happy for the Canucks. It, is the, the sun up. shining again? Yep. Isn't it uh, like when they look sorry. at – sorry, when they – I was going to say a funny joke, but I don't know if it's going to land anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, uh, go ahead. When they look at <laughs> – Okay, you didn't go, go on, go on. okay is, isn't it ironic that we're in this situation? They have eight wins in nine games. And uh, I believe it was Francesco Aquilini who said, you know, we just need to win one game and then we'll get, or we need just a, a, a slew of good games and then we'll get going. And there you go. And there you go. So has the light also been shining on Francesco Aquilini as well now that we're like, you know, kind of a good guy. I mean, he let Jim Benning do that job for how long? I I think we need to I, calm down. It's not yet, not yet. Not I yet, don't want to spoil yet. the segment, but I do want to have a look at how many of these wins are, you know, overtime shootout. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we do need to, once they cool down, I, I, I think there is sort of a look to here, but, you know, just for now, they're on the up. Unlike another Canadian team, the Oilers at one time were first in the Pacific. They're now in the first wild card spot. Uh, so I'll just read you guys something. Their record by month. So in October, they were six and one. November, were nine and four. November, they were three and nine. And then Oof. they're 0 and one to start January. Now, I've included overtime and shootout losses in losses because you should. And I think it's two overtime losses, but this league is dumb. Um, Big Smith came back for a game and is hurt again. That's not great. Um, and now people are starting to call for uh, Tippett's job. 
Yeah, that's that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if Dave Tippett should necessarily be fired. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I I've seen a lot of people talk about Mike Babcock. Uh, that I we can get into that when it if makes sense, when though. and if that happens, um, I'll have some choice words about that hire. Um, I, I just think. You know, I went to look at their hockey reference page earlier just to get a sense of what the team scoring is. So obviously McDavid, 53, Leon has 52 points. Could you tell me who the next closest player is? Is he Pliarvi? Like 42 points. It's oh it can't be that much. No. I would would assume maybe it's Darnell. No. Really? Barry? Or Nugent Hopkins. It's Nugent Hopkins. Okay. Four goals. Three goals. Oh, my gosh. But (laughs) how many points does he have? Uh, uh, 27. 39. Daniel was one off. He has 26 points. Oh, wow. (laughs) Can you see how many of them are power play points? Yeah. Uh, He has... Uh, this is this four, 14 power play points <laughs> and they're all assists <laughs> oh there it is there it is so to me that that's concerning right like yeah. mcdavid has double the amount of points leon pretty much has double the amount of points that the next closest guy has which you'd expect but it's a little concerning isn't it so what? Yeah, they. What? What's the move? How do you fix it though? Like I, I wonder. Is it? Does Tyler Toffoli make a lot of sense? I don't Either know if or, offense is their issue. What they? They can't score five on five though. I know. They need. They need depth. Betcherot and Tyler Toffoli in a package. No, 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 no. I, I mean, no. Like really, is it? It, uh, I don't think their their goaltending hasn't been Seattle bad. AK, no. what the hell is up with Grubauer and Drinker? By the way, we got to talk about Seattle one day. Yes. I, oh boy! But I just think there's maybe there's just more than one problem, and Holland has just sort of built an incomplete team here. That is just um, when McDavid and Drysaddle aren't murdering everyone. We kind of saw that though, because we look at the forwards where they are quality forwards, but. You, you were kind of just betting on them to kind of have those breakout ears like Jesse Puyarvi or Kyler Yamamoto. And with their defense, we already knew it was pretty spotty. It's just, well, we're just kind of open. It just I'm, I'm going to push back, Daniel, there. Because it's okay. nothing to do with Yamamoto and Puyarvi. It's, 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 oh, hey there, our bottom six of, like, insert name here of Turris, who hasn't been anything since he got to Nashville. Derek Ryan, who hasn't been anything for years now. Who like Devin Shore is still in the league. Ryan McLeod's a young guy, but you know, still Sevier is whatever. Brandon Pirlini's just been like a drifter since Arizona days. And what the heck is Tyler Benson? Another young guy who's kind of unproven. And then their defense is just sort of a jumbling mess that's kind of funny to look at and is a bit of a meme. Um, and even the guys who are hurt right now, like you look at Russell. I mean, I don't think Chris Russell is gonna help with your scoring either. And he's just sort of what they already have. Archibald was never an offensive contributor and it's Clefbaum a big part of that. Yes. But Clefbaum has been out for years. 
like clef bomb is almost uh, like okay what are we dealing with here and i'm looking also in case there is anyone on like covid um i see that cassian is there but that's zach cassian he's a first line forward no he's not he gets get paid like someone who could fit into a top six role but i i, I think I think Adam, you nail it though. I, I'm you nailed it with it's not one problem; it's three separate issues, and it's they don't have depth. They their defense is shaky, and if if you go look at it, their goaltending has regressed extremely. Um, so it's a matter of is this just you know a bad slump? Because I look at the Leafs and I say the Leafs and Edmonton are similar in certain ways, or they've been compared. The Leafs went through a slump early in the season, bounced back from it. They could go through another slump. Who knows? With Edmonton, they started hot and then went through a slump. Is this just a slump or is this a combination of um, these guys like are exhausted and Holland didn't build a complete team like you said Adam I don't know which one it is here's the situation you kind of look at what Edmonton's in even if they win both the games uh, they have in hand on Anaheim they're tied at 41 points the Flames right now have like what is this three games in hand and they're tied on points Vegas is somehow at the top of the division and like Pacioretty's like gone for a while now and Eichel hasn't even played the game um, so you're going to look at Edmonton and they're going to get into this all of a sudden dogfight with probably Minnesota, because I could see Colorado's probably going to storm up or even in Nashville, if they regress a little bit, who have an extremely, who like all of a sudden Johansson and Duchesne are playing really well. And Yossi's Yossi and Forsberg's lighting it up. They're going to get into dogfight with them. They're going to get a dogfight in with, um, Vancouver who are getting better and better. You're going to get into a dogfight with LA who, you know, those older players there, the moment they sniff playoffs and they turn that gear up, they're going to be in a dogfight with it. And right. depending on the month, Jonathan Quick may turn into George Vesna. We never know. And, um, it's not a great position to be in. And the, the question has to be asked because, you know, look at what happened when they made the play. They made the playoffs last year, right? And got swept in four games. Can they handle the dogfight? As a team, can that team handle the dogfight? I mean that respectfully because we have the same conversations in Toronto. Can the team handle the dogfight? I don't know. Before Edmonton gets upset, um, they would if the game was called properly. Um, but the way it is, no. You know what? Another team I've forgotten that they're below Vancouver but four games in hand. Uh, oh, hi, Winnipeg, who are also there and have an elite goalie. So, um, yeah, and don't have Blake Wheeler. And I know I criticize him a lot, but, you know, he'll be on the mission when he gets back. And Blake Wheeler's not a player I'd like to play against when he's angry. What was their record? Because I didn't look at it after Paul Maurice left. I don't know that. Um, I'll go I can check. quickly, I'll yeah, because don't forget. I'll go check. Been, yeah. I don't know how many games they've even played. So I think oh, Lowry won his first yeah. game as coach. But, um, but yeah, I just something just my Alex is bringing that up. Um, I just I saw something in the standings and it just kind of caught my eye when I was looking at it. So Boston, first off, they have five games in hand over Detroit and are only a point behind them. But I just kind of looked for a second and I realized, and they have a positive goal differential where Detroit don't. But I just sort of looked at Detroit and Boston for a second. I kind of thought, 
They're in the same state at this very second, but aren't they going opposite ways? Boston on the way down, especially Bergeron's gone this year, and Detroit just on the up and up. That was just a passing thought I had just very quickly looking at the standings and whatnot. It was expected, right, with a Stevie type of team where he knows how to nurture the young guys who are being put up there. Yeah, but I didn't think Boston were going to fall like this. And again, they got games, but, you know, Tuka Rask will show up in their, you know, win the President's Trophy in the Cup probably, but... So who goes on the taxi squad? Like Jeremy Swayman? Um, no, Swayman's like they're no Swayman's like basically so, number one. So Linus Allmark, like at five million dollars? No, he'd be. Oh, you mean once it starts? Oh, yeah, yeah. Good yeah. question. Yeah, that's a very good question. Do you have it, Alex? Yeah, they've only played two games under uh, Dave Lowry. He is one and one. Very okay. good. Very. Solid, we have this, one and one. The scores. Uh, yeah, play? Washington. He lost five two, which was his first game. Oh, um, okay. And then uh, against St. Louis, they won 4 2. All right, good. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, okay, freaking uh, nice enough. Um, anyway, but yeah, that's a that's a good question, Jason. Who, who hits the, the taxi squad? That's a funny one. Before we go to Montreal and Toronto, uh, did you guys see who it looks like are the top selling jerseys of 2021? Uh, briefly. Don't, don't okay, Daniel. Have you okay. seen it? Was it Sebastian Cosa for the World Juniors? Uh, no, because he's bad. Oh, anyway, he's good. I'll tell you guys. Number ten, Patrick Kane makes a lot of sense. Patrick Kane, Chicago, Still? a lot of money. Um, yeah, you'd think it, there's another Blackhawk up who's very high. Remember, for years the Blackhawks have always been really high. But yeah, I know what you mean. After everything this year, I guess their sales are still good. But you got to remember, a decade ago, they were number one and two. So it's taken a hit, but it's it's a good market. And it's Patrick Kane, right? He's Taves hasn't had the Taves season, but Kane is still Patrick Kane. Number nine, David Posternak. Makes sense. Uh, it's weird that he's the highest Bruin. Oh, no, no, there's another Bruin. I'm done. Um, but yeah, Pat, love Pat. Uh, McKinnon's number eight. Number seven, Carey Price. Makes a lot of sense. Um, number six, Patrice Bergeron. Number five is Connor McDavid. Number wow. four is Austin Matthews. Number okay. three is Mark Andre Fleury in Chicago, <laughs> which is hilarious. Yeah, I guess there's a lot of Mark Andre Fleury fans out there. Apparently, I'd love to know what his numbers are if Sidney Crosby was not a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Obviously, Sidney Crosby, by the way, is number two because uh, Sidney Crosby. Uh, so there was, did you guys see there was this thing, Ovechkin number one, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I did thought you were going to make us guess. No, Ovechkin. So did you see that graphic? It was like the most popular players right now based on state and uh, province. So it was like in Quebec, Carey Price, obviously. Prince Edward Island, Carey Price, because I guess he's big in PEI. And there's like McDavid in that. But there were a bunch of states in the oh, US. yes. And it yes. was like mostly Gretzky. And you're like, oh, oh, that's not good that he's... Still, maybe it was just like a search data thing. And I'm sure people recently have been looking up Gretzky because to look at his goals and that. But it was like all California, which makes sense because he revolutionized hockey there. But or certainly really grew the game there. But I was just looking. I'm like, that's not that's not very good. I didn't didn't notice that. But there was one I noticed, but I'll bring it up after. Oh, what is it? There wasn't. I didn't have a point. Did anyone see Hawaii? Yeah, yeah. yeah, No. What was Chris Letang? In Hawaii, yeah. Is Chris Letang part Hawaiian? I don't. I'm not I sure. French, but um, I, I I don't think so. That's very um, strange. But it was just so funny because it it kind of 
came out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> dude, it was like Chris Letang. Hmm. Why is Chris Letang the most like, popular hockey player with Hawaii? It's like the third most popular player on his team. Did they just <laughs> send like, like a, was there like a DVD in Hawaii? And it was just like, here's, a, that's here's a very strange that's a very very strange one to see guys uh, i have breaking news how okay on a scale of one to ten how monumental is it uh four okay go ahead congrats trevor zegris who has been named the nhl's rookie of the month for december he has 11 points in nine games two goals nine assists oh, as wow. he should as he should um so some more it's not as breaking it came out uh, about 10 minutes ago uh, Pierre Lebrun says that the Habs have officially begun to reach out to teams asking permission to speak to GM candidates. They've done so with the likes of Roberto Lalongo, uh, Danny Briere, and Matthew Darsh, amongst others. Obviously a ways to go in the, uh, the process, but it started. And on that note... Where's Patrick uh, Waugh? Well, Daniel, stop. Well, they don't think they, I don't think they have to ask the Ramparts permission because he literally owns them. Oh, so, that's true. Uh, and now Renault Lavoie did have an article talking about uh, so who are some of the candidates uh, to do with Montreal and the GM job. As I truly quickly just get it up because there's a, a specific thread that um, I saved on Twitter because I wanted to read uh, a part of it, not from my OV goal counter account. I just saw the Zgrass news on there, Daniel. Very, very good. Uh, very, very good. Uh, like to see Matthew Darsh, by the way. Like to see that, um, or maybe some other candidates, because it's very interesting. This list. Um, they said originally it was around eight or ten people. Uh, we can obviously see now. Lalonga wasn't originally on that one list, but I obviously believe Pierre LeBron because he's Pierre LeBron. Okay, so here was originally from Renault Lavoie's list. Uh, Danny Briere, which I feel like the English side of. Habs Media has been talking a lot about uh, Emily Castonguay, uh, Matthew Darsh, Mark Denis, one of the voices of Habs games, the play-by-play guy with Pierre Oud, Mark Denis. World junior legend and Columbus I, Blue Jacket legend. Ha, former Habs goalie, Mark Denis. I was so shocked to see that one. Like, he's he's one of the best, like, color commentator, um, yeah, color commentators, like, out there. I love Mark Denis, but it was just really weird to see Mark Denis on the list. Uh, Kent Hughes, as we know, Stefan Quintel, former Hab, please know. Uh, Danielle Sevengo, I want to talk about her lately because I want her as GM. And Patrick Waugh. There it is. I feel like they're doing Patrick just to say, okay, the media, here we go. Like During the intermission of the Carolina game, they were talking about the list. And who was the picture of the first one they talked about? It was, it was Patrick, but I don't... Jeff Gordon's not doing it. Okay. So, candidates that you guys see there, you like anyone that surprised you first off? I'm... Well, I mean, Mark Denis was uh, a bit of a surprise. Obviously, I don't know. I, I went to look. It doesn't seem like he's in the circle of management. But again, trying something new is fine. Um, Kent Hughes is still a little bit of a surprise to me. Like we had that discussion with Patrick uh, when he was on about having an agent as a general manager, because there's more than just the contract side of the position. But again, it depends on what Gordon sees the general manager's role as. I just, I don't know. It would be a lot of learning on the job, essentially. For me, I'm surprised that, and I know that throughout his career, there's been the rumors as well. And he eventually did play for the Habs, but 
was so brief later in the career, but like Danny Breer and like his connection to it. I know from being from Quebec, but also like Mark Denis, where these two guys were, I know they both played in the queue, but you know, they would go on to play for other teams for, you know, the prime of their careers. And then for them to come back now, I know that played like six games. (laughs) Yeah. Like it would serve them well, like, in terms of like the French English balance of things, or these two guys are like, Hey, I know these guys from the nineties and early two thousands, but I think for me, I think Danny Briere is getting there, but I'd like to see a bit more on his resume before he takes on a job like this. AGM um, type thing. Yeah. Like NHL yeah, AGM. For now, for now, like, or even like, you know, be the GM of like the Delva rocket first. Or it's just, he's GM, but he's really not GM. It's like AKA, a George Bush. AKA Jeff Gordon's the GM. And like, <laughs> yeah, and then they just have Briere in charge of the AHL. I got to mix up. So the one I'm interested is um, specifically Emily Castonguay. Okay, so this specific thread that I have for very specific reasons is from at NHL Draft Ranking. Uh, and this is sort of the qualifications that uh, she specifically has here. Adam Castonguay. Uh, so has hockey experience, played four years in the NCAA, a uh, bachelor's degree in finance, um, a law degree. She's a member of the Quebec Bar, and she is a certified agent. I believe she represents Alexi Lafreniere. Yeah. Press perspective, big into the women's game. I think she's pretty tight with like a Marie-Philippe Poulant too. The other person, my second candidate, I, I haven't shut up about Matthew Darsh. I love Matthew Jarsh. I, I think he'd be really, really sick. Um, some of his qualifications here. Bachelor degree in commerce and all that kind of stuff. 13 years, former Habs, so we'll get that side of it. Uh, CBA uh, negotiation committee, apparently, which is pretty sick. Uh, he was an analyst for a couple of years. Um, he's got some other stuff, like business stuff in there. And uh, obviously the director of hockey ops for Tampa Bay. Uh, those are my two. I think they'd be really, really cool to have. Um, I really hope. I don't. It's. It's. I think like people have talked about. It's pretty clear that Darsh will be allowed to interview. Let's just see if he's sort of interested in there. Some of the other ones. Lalongo is pretty funny to see. I'm. I'm interested to see if where that goes. Um, Beside that, it's just the other lists are like yeah, like Mark Denis. What is that? The, yeah, no, I, I'm not entirely sure. The the interesting part of that list though for me is that not only because and I don't want to say lack of experience because I don't think that's fair. I think lack of NHL management experience would be a way to put it other than the few that are currently in there. I think this list could not only be just for general manager, but bringing in assistant general managers, whether you want to give Emily Castaneda a job as a full as a general manager of an NHL team or as an assistant general manager of the team to put her in a position to be the general manager in the future is something to think about. I think this list is bigger than just for that one position. Even like Danny Breer, like bring him in, like, how yeah. do you bring Mark Denis in and make him like, make him a skills coach or something. I don't bring, make him a, make him head scout for all I care. They get the goalie coach. I think you know what? No, no, that's they got that already. I see. I don't want to. I actually don't want to need to get hired because then he can't do Habs games anymore. Like, would really <laughs> like do both. See, we always bring up semi-pro as an example. Why can't he do both? Because <laughs> it's well, semi-pro. He. It's funny on the broadcast the other day. He ripped Ducharme apart. 
So he will not be taking part. <laughs> he will not be general it's manager. Be, it's going to be that or he's firing him like yeah. the first chance they get. That's exciting, though. Uh, that's really, really exciting. Um, oh, goodness. So the Habs are also, we know they're shut down until January 6th. They don't play again until like the 12th um, because the league want money, obviously. Uh, they, they got spanked by the Panthers because they had 11 forwards and five defensemen. I want to give this up for you guys. So one of my favorite things, like you guys as well, is looking at cap friendly. Okay. So I just want to quickly just bring this up. Okay. So let me just screen share. Go to this. Okay. So can you see it? Yes. Okay. So here we go. Here's Montreal. Look at all those picks in Montreal. Can't wait. Okay. So let's just have a quick look at their roster, shall we? Gallagher, Druin, Cedric Paquette, who looks like has a concussion, get well soon. Uh, Jesse Ulonen. Who started in the AHL? He's probably going to make the NHL roster. He was late getting vaccinated. Caulfield, happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. birthday, Cole. You happy beautiful birthday. little guy. Um, Suzuki, obviously. Cam Hillis, who was at one time in the ECHL. Um, he'll be on the team maybe one day, but still. Uh, Raphael Harvey Pinard started with the AHL. Lucas Vegdemo, AHL. Brandon Baddock. Brandon Baddock, AHL, played one game and got put on protocol. Evans, who was in protocol, Pazetta, Paling, should have made the team start in the AHL, Alex Belzeal, AHL All-Star formerly, Savard, Kulak, Romanov's in protocol, K.O. Clegg, Luis Belpedo, PDO? I don't know, hasn't played the game. Sami Niku, Corey Schoenman, AHL, Montembeau, third goalie, who was in the AHL last year, Michael McNiven, who they refused to play, AHL guy. Here's their other non-roster here. Petrie, Hoffman, Sherratt, Allen, Lekkinen, Primo, Weidman, Dauphin. Two of those AHL, by the way. Those and are then, COVID protocol? Those are COVID. Then okay. we get to the injuries. The injuries. Anderson, Dvorak, Toffoli, Edmondson, Armia, Perot. What the hell? What is this? Look at their non... Oh, wait, we're not even done yet. Oh, my no. goodness. Byron and Weber are just gone. I don't know what is happening with Joel Edmondson. I have no idea what's going on with him. Johnny Fairbrother is like the only guy left. I, 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 what's going on there? Carey Price still isn't around. And probably has COVID because his wife has COVID and they live together. So, obviously. Alsner, buyout history. How's it going? Look at their <laughs> non-roster. Look at it. Yeah, Mishak, who's on loan. Hayden Gooley, who is on loan. Norlander, who is on loan. Archer Jake, I can't, I, I, I can't say his name. Ouled, who I'm pretty sure it's hurt, and that's not updated. The only guy they can call up is Jean Sebastian D. Thank God they have this pause because they have no. Have you ever seen a non-roster that small? Yeah, in the no. off season, only yeah. in the off season. <laughs> and we're in January. Yeah, We're no, nearly halfway through the season and they have six guys and they can only call up one of them. They're so boned. It, it's interesting for me to see that, you, could, you know, the cases are going to keep going higher that for COVID and <clears throat> a lot more restrictions with things. The NBA introduced the hardship exemptions. And I know that it's been different because they could do 10 day contracts, but it'd be interesting if the NHL did something like that. There's nothing stopping the NHL from doing a variation of a 10 day contract. In my opinion, like it'd be a lot of CBA. It'd be an absolute nightmare. I'd assume 
with the CBA and then we'd have to renegotiate and then Brad Marchand would say something. And I, I mean, it would just be a nightmare. So there's really not that should be stopping the NHL from doing it. Listen, we can only give you 50 bucks. Yeah. Adam, you're, you were muted. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Very embarrassed. It's okay. Okay. One last thing with Montreal. Um, I hate that we're talking about this because I don't think he should be a hap. Logan Mayhew has officially been reinstated into uh, the OHL. I think his original ban would have been lifted yesterday on January 1st. Um, Here's some of the stuff that um, the OHL put in their statement. Quote, since the time of suspension with the support of the London Knights, Logan Mayhew has participated in therapy and counseling with Dr. Lindsay Forbes and a personal development plan under the leadership of Wendy Glover. Mrs. Glover is a London-based, experienced, holistic athlete development practitioner, academic and personal development advisor, teacher, and member of the Ontario School Counselors Association. The player's uh, personal development plan has included weekly meetings, ongoing completion of certifications, and reflection of concepts explored. Some of the certification and programs available to athletes that he has completed were, I'm not going to list them, but... It just lists some of the stuff he's done. It's not really important here. After reviewing the program, speaking with the player and Mrs. Glover and receiving a commitment from the player to continue his personal development program, the league is satisfied that Logan May has undertaken the necessary steps and will reinstate him effective January 1st, 2022. The OHL remains committed to ongoing education of players. Now, listen, in a vacuum, it sounds like, oh my God, he's done this and this. That's so nice. Oh my goodness gracious. I would like to know how much of what he's done was not mandated to do. And also, and also, also, I would like to know the point of view of the girl, the victim that he took the pictures of and shared without her consent before we reinstate her. That's dicey. I would not use a London based person. I'm not questioning that person's legitimacy. I'm just saying it's a very important player for the London Knights. Wait a minute. I thought this story was buried by the time it, when it was. Posted. Oh yeah. yeah. Can we, can, 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 can they released we talk it about that? Right in the middle of it, the world junior. What is with leagues and teams being so gross when releasing Mayu stuff during like the busiest news cycles? What cowards? I, I texted, I think I, I don't know if it was on Twitter or wherever I texted you and I go, the irony of the OHL and the London Knights to release this statement 45 minutes after the double IHF canceled the world juniors is hilarious because remember, if you guys don't remember the month, uh, Jeff Molson released his statement about Logan Mayu about half an hour into NHL free agency. Howard, Howard. You know, it's weird for me because, you know, we've been on social media quite a bit, you know, we, we, we post a lot of stuff too there. Much, we know, we much. know that. Yeah. We, we know the trends of things doing something like that. It's just going to put more attention on the post. Like people, more people are going to talk about it. So I don't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I think, and Adam, you confirm this for me. Um, I think it was very much talked about in Montreal circles, right? Was it talked about in on Montreal or Canadians Twitter? Yeah. 
I don't think this got the same attention um, from the rest of hockey, the same way it did when he got drafted. It's, it hasn't been the sort of the people that you would expect to sort of go on and would go on it. Like, you know, I'd obviously pair LeBron retweeted, but I don't think it's been mentioned in other very the major. Yeah. The major news networks. It, it hasn't it's, been free agency was just, yeah, it, it was so fresh when it happened, but this has been very, very quiet. Kind of like the John Doe two stuff has been very, very quiet. What's, what's kind of gross too about this is, they had a few days left in the year. I don't think it was too difficult to find one person a few days later, even if it was like New Year's Eve, to just like send the tweet or the statement. Uh, I don't think it would have been, or just wait. They do it at the end of the day too, once everything's like the news of the juniors is sort of calmed down and people are, you know, not freaking out that this, and then, you know, going on about like, oh God, the hotels and the negligence and all that. It was just, no, I think I it was, know. I think it was very strategic. I just, I worry that Jeff Molson will, will allow this guy to keep being in the organization to use as a sort of figure of, Oh, well, look at us and look at what we've done and try to sort of rehab this person. I worry about that. You know what? If the kid ever shows that he's truly sorry about it, like he shows growth. And I just, I want to know originally what he was supposed to do and how much of what he has done has been sort of um, guaranteed. There was something going around. I can't remember where it was. I just remembered it. That people were going around about him being this great teammate right now. That's all good. You know, I get it. The teammates are probably his friends and that. But I, I need to know if he's been a good person. Forget teammate. Like, I need to see how he personally... Of course, he's going to be good around his teammates. They're, they're hockey players. They're all like that. They're all for the team. But it's, it's outside the game at this point. It does not matter at all if he's like texting the boys after a win yeah. saying oh that's hard fought boys go a lot and go nights like yeah take a hike you, like, so hockey you brought something up there about you know about if he if he trees truly changed and i think you know something that was brought up when he was drafted and i want to say it was adam wild who brought this up on the sdp at the time you the the canadians took the chance from him of properly proving it without some type of um, restitution, not restitution, but some type of like he did it on his own. Whereas this feels like you said, Adam, in a way kind of, he had to do it if he wants to be part of the Montreal Canadians. Whereas if he didn't get drafted, like he asked, asked teams not to draft him, it would have given him, it would have given Logan Mayu the opportunity to do these things without the without a, the support of an NHL team behind him. Like there's a difference when you look at it with per 2020 perspective. There's a difference between those two things. So want to know who the other teams that were going to take him in the second round were. I, I want to know who what teams were that freaking stupid. Oh, Montreal, why'd you have to be the team to do it? Why'd you have to do that? So dumb. So dumb. Leafs. Okay, I'm confused. I thought their capacity was a 1,000. But I saw people talking about last night. Were fans at the game? Yeah, there was 989 fans at the game last night. Were they in the upper bowl then? I guess so. They yeah, just like Carlton the Bear in one picture. Uh, uh, I'm not yeah. entirely sure, to be honest. Like, it, 
I don't know why they did it that way. <laughs> Very like, confusing. They can hold you in the lower bones. Like, I don't, why does the bear get to go down there? Yeah, no. I, flips. He's going to go back to put the photos of the season ticket holders. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, guys. I just didn't understand it. Was Carlton wearing a mask? I, I, don't, I didn't yeah. notice. Bears get affected I, too. I wasn't looking at Carlton the bear. Respect. Yeah. What you were looking at instead was uh, Matthews and Marner getting hold off, held off the score sheet in a yeah. six nothing Leafs win over Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, what was cool is Ilya Mikheyev, if you didn't know, was back and scored to go. Justin Hall too. The boys getting a hard time. So I want to make this about Mitch Marner. No points again. Can make this about Mitch Marner. Was this his first game back or second? First, first game. First, back, yeah. and he's so he hasn't a point in how long? No power play goals? Gets the Seds? He's like the first United Leafs team in quite a while, right? Like, and without like, Mitch Marner. You're like the opposite of uh, Darren Dreger. What? Darren Dreger's so pro Mitch Marner. I can't. You're so yeah. anti Mitch Marner. Yeah, because I bet Darren Dreger gets a Christmas card from them every year. Uh, probably. Yeah. I'd imagine there's a couple guys that do. I bet. I can't wait <laughs> we to find should. Out that his name is actually Mitchell Darren Marner. <laughs> <laughs> That's his godfather. Yeah. I'm I can't sure wait for that we, to come out. I can't. I'm wait. sure we can find out. That you want to know his middle name? Sure. Okay, one second. You know, I've one thing I've mentioned before with this is, and we mentioned it a lot is, man, I feel bad for Matt Murray. Yeah. I just feel yeah. bad. I know he only hasn't played, been like, good lately, but like he has, he doesn't have a win this like season. Remember when Jimmy Howard had two wins in the whole year? Yeah. Didn't Buffalo call him? And then he said, yeah, never. Yeah. Or was it Edmonton? No, no, it was, it was Edmonton. Edmonton. It was Edmonton. I remember yeah. absolutely lighting them up for that. Um, oh. Sorry, Mitch Barner does not have a middle name. Oh, it's a, he's being secret about it. But obviously, yeah, he's, he's been hurt. I know why he hasn't done it. But you know yeah, what? Like Matt Murray, how long yeah. was he in the AHL for? Because I thought I heard someone say he only played two games. Yeah, it was like a brief stint. And he wasn't very good in it either. I, what do you do there? Like, it's not gonna, that's not a super long term contract. And by the time the Sens are gonna be competitive, it won't be a problem. But it's just for Matt Murray's sake. Yeah. Like, why not just give him a year? Like, just say, go home, do what you need to do. We're here to support you and just see what's up with him. Because I, for yeah. his sake, he needs to just, or just, I don't know, maybe he's just not an NHL goalie anymore. I was thinking about this as I was watching the game last night, not specifically about Matt Murray, but I guess about the Ottawa Senators. We're not talking about them the same way we were last year. Uh, no, that's see, that's why you have to be careful when the team is hot towards the end. Of, I remember a couple of years ago, it was like, Oh my God, the coyotes what's the next year because yeah. man, they were playing spoiler at the end of last year and they still finished like fourth last. And they're still bad. I think we all fell for that trap with Ottawa again. Yeah. Also, combining with the fact that their general manager said the rebuild's over. Man, and Peter, then had to walk that you back. were doing so well. You were doing well, my man. And and he had to, and he backpedaled so hard. A quick note before we keep going, I wanted to mention yes. um, NHL isolation rules and all that. Apparently now. Uh, the Leafs, I think, as well, like Ontario has sort of uh, shortened the isolation days from 10 to 5. Um, like, man, the Habs are so 
I can't swear. But man, <laughs> they are not. You know, can't wait for the Habs to have another awful. It's not fun. No, 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 it's not. That government is just not doing well. But all over the place. It's just, it's been so, it's almost kind of boring to talk about the Leafs this year after the first month because nothing's going wrong. No, I mean, like, oh, I guess. Matthew scored again. <laughs> exactly. Like, like 70 goals over the past year. Cool. Yeah, it was, it's ridiculous. Um, but I, I think in this game, the two good things, obviously, other than the win, is McKayev and Justin Hall because. Mikheyev, when was the last time he scored two goals in the game? And Justin Hall necessarily hasn't had the greatest of seasons, if you've been listening to this podcast. Um, so to see them have de- good nights was nice for me. Also, I can't believe the Leafs won 6 nothing against Ottawa because for whatever reason, and I'm not giving them credit for this. I'm saying this is the absolutely the bare minimum. They do not play well against Ottawa. Yeah. I was surprised too. It's a well, no, we've talked about this before. It's the uh, it's the rivalry thing, right? It's like uh, the the Ducks and Kings were bad for a while, but you yeah. watch them because of the history in the Western Conference or like the early 2010s. Yeah, but it's it, a competition it, thing, right? You have to elevate your game versus certain teams, and they don't have the game breaker and Evgeny Daninov anymore. I I just I I don't think the Leafs showed up any times against the Ottawa Senators. He just won with the motions, I think. Like this was just kind of like a routine game. I mean, six yeah. nothing is a bit more than routine, but that's a bit. But of- you know, what I'm talking about like you know they just they knew what they were doing and they just kept going with it. But you know, it is nice to see that Mikheyev, Justin Hall. There, there's a bit of uh, the weight off. They're their- like, yeah, it's a weight off their backs. It was uh, what, what word? I was looking for the R word, redemption. Yeah. Okay. I- I don't know. Sure. That. Not yet. Not yet. We're getting yeah, yeah. not okay. yet. Justin Hall has to make up, score a lot more goals to make up for the ones he's coughing. Um, I think you can be happy for because he needs to produce first. He's yeah. still want to get traded. Probably. We don't really know, but we'll find out like someone on that. I mean, maybe with the taxi squads, things change a little bit, but I do think someone on that forward core might be traded. I know a lot of people say Nick Ritchie, but I don't know. Like the healthy scratch last night, or Alex Kerfoot, but I really like Alex Kerfoot. I don't really see the need to Alex bias. (laughs) Yes, what's that thing about? I make three and a half million dollars. Nothing, nothing pisses me off more when it's like, oh, it makes three point five million dollars. We can't use them. But shut up. That's what a good third line center makes. Is like three, like. Point five. Shut up. And he and he has a really good set role on that second line with Tavares and Nylander. By the way, Nylander also had two goals last night. So. That breakaway was was <laughs> oh. so smooth. Oh, smooth, smooth. Love it. I love William Nylander. He's a good player. We all love William Nylander. I love how that that chatter has died down. <laughs> Thank God. I can't do it anymore. What that the trade got. William Nylander. I just can't do it. How for Mackenzie Weger. <laughs> Remember that? Yes. No, no, not Mackenzie Weger. It was for Mike Matheson. Uh, do you remember that rumor <laughs> I, that, I think that it was like every other defenseman available was like Nylander though? No, but do you do you do you remember when I think it was someone from Florida had leaked it that that they were not even trade Mike Matheson for William Nylander? 
Oh, yeah, that was a- like, oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, was it to prove a point? What was the other one? It was Nylander for Colton Pareko. Uh, that was a rumor, but I think yeah. remember there was a deal on the table. I think it was Nylander plus and a deal involving Alex Petrangelo. When this was when St. Louis was bad, that that season was. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, give me Mitch. That's him because Nylander's better, so that would work. I'm not getting off that train, by the way. <laughs> okay, no, that's fair. Nylander is good, though. He is good. He's good. I think he's like point per game. He's got like three, three points or something. I believe so. No Ovechkin, but you know who is. Okay. Is that, I think that's everything unless you guys have something that you're like, hey. I don't. I don't. Oh, um, I got a new jersey for uh, Christmas, but I will show it? that on the next episode because it's not out of the box yet. Uh, what uh, jersey is it? I don't know. It's from my family, so I will okay. show you it. Yeah. Oh, so you don't even know? Yeah. Oh, I just know for sure it's not non-goalie. Nah. Yes. Okay, do you, do you know what team? We'll show it on the next episode. Well, no, I'm just I'm just interested if we could just like all make predictions. Do you know what team it is? It's the Leafs. It's my okay. first Leafs jersey since my Andrew Raycroft. Nick Ritchie. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Next episode. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna take a guess. It's gonna be um, Austin Matthews. Okay. No, Morgan Riley. I'm changing it. I'm locking it in. Okay. Morgan no, Riley. You can't do that. I don't care. Okay, so Nick Ritchie and Morgan Riley. Question on the Habs questions and no, no one else. What? It's like making uh, a trick question for a Habs one, but you know, no, nothing else. You a know. quiz will reemerge soon, I believe. Yeah, well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know. Oh, mine. Okay. I remember asking Daniel, like, you're not going to be too specific here. He's like, no. And then it's like, so who are the two thing trickers? How could you? Anyway, that's it. Thank you, The Voice said It's always been a great platform for the show. Check us out on social media, YouTube channel for me, Daniel CGRU, Alex's blog, our Twitters, our Instagrams, the show's TikTok, which is always fun. YouTube channel for video, the visual experience of the show. That's everything. Stay frosty. And happy new year, guys. Happy new year. Don't say it after like the third though, because then it's just you're awful. It's like wait, so when did we stop saying it like last year? It's like get out of here. Wait, did we keep saying happy new year until like what? It's it's still relatively new up until the midway point of the year, right? So I think I think tomorrow's the latest because tomorrow everyone's going back to work. Monday. Mm -hmm. I'm going back Tuesday. Are you okay to Okay, whenever your first day of work is, that's, I think, the cutoff. Okay. Because when you're writing a date, it's 2022. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I got to remember that, too. <laughs> okay, that's it.